Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, City View Church. How you guys all doing? Thank you. Thank you for the one one person that's happy. I'm excited. Um, so this weekend I had a an experience. I, it wasn't it has nothing with my message, but I'm gonna tell you the story. So a year ago I was asked to speak at this retreat for a, I, I was speaking at this event. Um, and it's all these different churches together. Uh, it's sort of like a, a meeting that we have once a year. And I was speaking at it. And uh, this group of Hispanic churches were there. And they came up to me and said, hey, um, will you speak at our retreat next year? I said, sure, why not? So it finally came. It was, the, the retreat was now. It was a year ago in October. And so I speak. And I knew it was a bunch of Hispanic churches and all that kind of stuff. And they told me I'm going to speak to the youth. And so... So I put some messages together, put three messages together, and then I found out last week that I was actually speaking four times. Um, and then I kept asking how many students, how many young people, and first it was 15, and then it moved to like 25, and then finally, last week, I'm like, hey, I'm buying something for one of the, one of my messages that it's, every kid has to have it. How many? Well, we should have between 35 and 40. Okay, that's fine. There are like 50-something kids, students there. And students, young people there, it's any, at this retreat, they, they consider a young person anywhere between the age of like 12 and 24. So that was in my room. It was quite crazy trying to think that way. And, um, but I, so I, I taught there, and all, all, the, all the young kids, they all speak English. And, and, and for the worship, when we all worshiped together, all the adults, it was all men, um, it was all in Spanish. And let me tell you, it was one of the, it's just amazing when you, because as, 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 especially as white Americans, we can get so stuck thinking we're the only ones. We get so stuck thinking God is this white American that speaks English. And we can forget that there's, oh, there's a world outside of the United States. Because we get trapped. We get, we can, the world to an American is so small. It is so small. But when you travel outside the world, you realize there's a world out there. It's amazing. And so I'm in there with worship, and I don't, I can, my Spanish is not that great. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even going to try. I tried to fake it, and then one of the guys started talking to me. He said, hey, he said, como estas? And I said, bien y tu? And then all of a sudden, he started talking to me. And I was like, I was faking it. That's all I was doing. It's all I got for you. And he starts asking me, he said, comida. I caught that, he said like 20 words. I caught comida. I'm like, he's asking me about lunch. Uh, bien. <laughs> I said, it was like, but it was, but it was amazing. It's just so amazing to to just to be a part of a whole other group of, of of men that are worshiping the Lord. And I may not understand what we're like the songs are singing, but man, let me tell you, I understand the God we're worshiping. And it was an amazing opportunity to be a part of that. So that's I got to do that this weekend. Preach four times to a bunch of young people. Two kids accepted the Lord. Two or three, I can't remember exactly. It was just a really awesome, awesome, awesome. I want to share with you guys a few opportunities you have. If you have never been baptized, baptism is October 20th. Don't miss out on that opportunity. It's, it's just such an important thing for all believers to do. You probably all saw the boxes outside, Operation Christmas Child. How, how many people have heard of Operation Christmas Child before? We all, some of us, we've heard of it? Okay. We're doing something a little different. So we're doing Operation, we're going to call it Operation Thailand. And what we're doing is we have friends in Thailand. I have a friend who runs a multiple orphanages throughout the northern country of Thailand. Um, and he has uh, a, around 100 kids in his orphanage. I reached out to him this year. I said, hey, what we want to do as a church, we want to bless your kids for Christmas. And he said, well, Jeremiah, we usually don't get the kids anything for Christmas because we just can't afford it. So 
we, we just don't do anything. I go, I get that, but we want to. We want to do that. And so what's cool is at this orphanage is we're going to be able to know every kid's name. We're going to be able to bless their staff. And what, what, another neat thing about the orphanage is they have this saying at Bonnie Manual, there's always room for one more. They never say no to a kid. And they'll have kids, parents will just drop their kids off and drive away. It's the saddest thing. But that's, I mean, when you can't afford it, they know, well, Bonnie Manual will pay for my kids to eat. And so we are adopting them for Christmas this year. We're going to adopt them for Christmas for the rest of our time at City View Church. Um, and we're going to bless those kids. So when you see those boxes this year, that's what we're doing. They're going to a kid that you can know their name, you can know where they live, and you can know what they're doing with their life. They're going to go somewhere on purpose. Not that it's not, not that um, Operation Christian isn't on purpose. But you know, our, our heart is really to be as hands-on as we can. Bonnie Manuel in Thailand, this is a place where if we, 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 we plan on doing a mission trip there someday, well, we can go and meet the kids. It's going to be an amazing opportunity. So grab your box. There's only, I think there's 120. We've got to buy more. I mean, we've got to do more kids because if they have a saying of there's always room for one more, then what does that mean? If a kid comes tomorrow, are they going to say no to them? No, they're going to say there's always room for you. So that's that. Number two, Christmas Eve service. I know you're just like, what in the world? It's not even October, but we've got to set the date. Christmas Eve, don't forget. Um, and we will be celebrating Christmas Eve at Park Meadows this year. We're going to do it out on the, the big field. It's going to be a, a super different kind of um, outdoor service with like pallets as a stage and pews for our seats. And um, it's just going to be a really neat kind of service. So don't miss that. Um, another thing that we're doing to reach our community, you know we love Park Meadows. We've been reaching out to there for a long time. So what we're going to do to ramp up to our Christmas Eve service, because we really want to invite every single family, we're going to rent every single movie theater here on a Sunday, except for two. We're going to have church in here, and then we're going to have kids' church next door. But all the other theaters, so there's 17 minus 2, 15 theaters. So we're going to rent all 15 theaters, and we're going to invite every single kid in their family. There's only 1,300 seats, and I think there's like, I don't know, 4,000 people. But we can't do everything, but we're going to rent every single seat for one showing, and we're going to give those tickets away to those families so they can see Frozen 2 for free on us. We're going to do it on a Sunday so that you can be a part of us being love in action here. So that as parents are coming, hey, here's your ticket. Hey, how can I help you? Let me find you. Help me find you. Help me help you find your theater. So we can be very hands-on so that when we get ready to invite, now we have all of their information. It's sort of a uh, creepy way of us getting their email. Um, I'm not shy. I'll tell you. I won't tell them. Um, but then they're going to get invited to Christmas service. And then God's going to save some of them. And God's going to bring someone to know Him. I know that's going to happen on Christmas Eve. Because that's the kind of God we have. A God who has a plan to save the world. That's the kind of God. So don't miss out on those things uh, of what God is getting ready to do. And the last thing, which I totally forgot to share with the last service. You guys are going to hear it. In October, I'm going to be doing a series um, through the, in the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be looking at where we're going as a church. I've had people ask me, Jeremiah, are we going to be in the movie theater forever? No, I really feel God saying it's, it's, it's about time. You need to start praying, where is your next step? What does that look like? What, is, what does City View look like in the next year, the next five years, the next ten years? So don't miss October. Starting the second week of October, we've got one more week of, of Jonah. Then we're going to be looking at where are we going as a church? 
What does the future look like? So don't miss that three-part series um, in October. Jonah chapter 3 is where we are. You know, I am a huge movie buff. I love movies. As long as they're not inappropriate, I love movies. But have you ever stepped into a movie that maybe somebody was watching and you walk into their house and you have, have you ever been so lost in a movie? You have no clue what's going on. You know, my, I'll be watching movies and my wife will come in and she's like, so what's happening? And I go, you should have been watching from the beginning. She goes, tell me what's going to happen, what's happening next? I'm like, just pay attention. Because, you know, in every movie there's a backstory, isn't it? There's something that happened that got you to the point where you are. Maybe you're not a movie person, but maybe you're a book person, you read. You can't start a book in the middle. You've got to know what's been going on, what's got you to that point. You see, if we were to jump into the book of, of Jonah right now and not know the backstory, we'd be lost. You see, in those movies and in those books, there's a story. There's a story that, that the author has been telling that got that person to this point in their life. And each and every one of you in this room has a backstory. Each and every one of you has a backstory that got you to this point this morning, wherever you are, whatever's going on, and your story is continuing. And for some of you, your backstory to the point where you finally gave your life to Jesus, you have an amazing backstory. And I've heard some of your stories where you lived your life and you did your things and something happened in high school or college where God finally got a hold of your life. And there's a backstory to you. But somebody entered into your backstory. Somebody took a step of faith and said, I want to be part of your backstory. They didn't know it. They just took a risk and they said, you know what? I need to tell them about Jesus. I, I need to share with them. I need to invite them to church, invite them to youth group, invite them to something. You didn't know that you were entering into their backstory. You didn't know you were entering into something God was doing way bigger than you. All you were doing was inviting them to something so simple. You never know what you're doing with the words you use. You never know how you are entering in. And there's so many in each of our lives. There's people that entered into our lives. There's grandma and grandpas who've been praying for us and, and doing things that, that built up our backstory. There are friends and moms and dads and neighbors that had prayed and they got into your backstory. And you can look at your life now going, I'm so thankful for my grandma. Because she prayed and she's a huge part of my backstory. What makes me who I am today? You can look at your friend, your, your neighbor, whoever it is. Maybe it's your wife. That if it wasn't for her, you wouldn't have the backstory you have. You would still be living a life that's going, when is it going to turn? You see, Jonah, the story of Jonah has a backstory. That's an amazing story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I ask that you'd speak to us this morning. God, I thank you that you, hopefully, I know you're in my story, God. And I thank you that you're in my story in the past. You're in my story in the future, Lord. That you're not done with me. And God, I ask that you'd speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us. Lord, use us, Lord, today. God, if you are not in our story at all, we're here. Somebody invited us, maybe our, our friends, family, our neighbor, whoever. But we're here today, Lord. And God, may today be a turning point for our story. And Lord, maybe we, we, are, we believe in you and we follow you with our life. But God, maybe today is a, a point where we realize that it's our turn to be part of somebody else's backstory. God, no matter what it is or what you're calling us to, Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice today, God, and I pray that you would speak at churches all over the valley today. Pray for Andrew at Cross Church, Lord, um, Lord Preston at Gateway, and um, Ray over at Desert, Desert Breeze, and Caleb at Desert Springs, and Jason at Heritage, and my friend Jared at, at Desert City, Lord, and God, I thank you that there are people all over, all over the valley. 
preaching your word. God, I ask that you speak to us at City View in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So Jonah chapter 3, if we were to jump into Jonah chapter 3 right now, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Some of us might think, whoa, a second time? If you were to jump in right now, like some of you, this is maybe you've missed the first two parts. There's parts 1 and part 2. You can listen to them on our podcast, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, our app. Lots of ways to listen. Listen to it, the past two. But if we were to start here, God came to Jonah the second time, we might think, okay, what did he do the first time? We see Jonah has a backstory. What was Jonah's backstory? But Jonah was, was a man. He was a man of God, a man of the people of Israel. He was known as a very political person. He loved his country and he loved his God. That was Jonah. Loved his country, loved his God. I'm sure some of us, we can think of those people even now here in our country. You know, with those people that just like love our country, love our God. You know, when I do, I love my country, I love my God. <laughs> and he served them both as long as it was according to what he wanted them to do. He served God as long as God was saying what he agreed with. If God said anything he didn't agree with, he was like, eh, eh, eh. And so that happened. God came to him one day and said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh? Assyria? That's modern-day Iraq. I want you to go there. Why? I want you to tell them that if they don't turn, I'm going to come after them. That they're in trouble. God, but why would you want to do anything good for them? They're evil people, God. They murder. They, they're terrorists. They're a terrorist state, God. Why would you want to do anything? God says, because I said so. Go. And Jonah says, pretty much, he goes, God, I think you have no clue what you're talking about, so I'm going to go a different way. So he gets on a boat, and he travels as far away as he can. And all of a sudden, there's this storm. And the guys on the boat say, okay, whose problem? Why does, who, who, who's running from their God? And why is this happening? And Jonah's like, it's me. Throw me overboard. And they say, no way, we're not throwing you overboard. And they find like, okay, we're going to throw you overboard. They throw him into the water. He's swallowed by a fish. Some of you, maybe you've heard, you've gone to church. Maybe you've heard this story. You're like, this is where I don't believe in God anymore. A fish, a guy being swallowed by a fish, that's way too crazy. I get it. I get it. That is crazy. I, I don't, first off, being in the ocean, that being, in, I've gone snorkeling. And the, when the water, you, when you can't see the bottom, there's fish in there that can't eat you. Not just sharks. Fish that are nice, but they just think you're a snack. And I, that, I get it. That scares me. But you're like, okay, there's no way. A man gets swallowed by a fish and lives. I can't, I can't believe that. Okay. Hey, but here's one thing. Maybe you do believe in Jesus, though. And you do believe that Jesus really died on a cross. And you do believe that Jesus really rose from the, again, uh, from the dead. If you can believe in Jesus, you can believe in a God who can make a fish that can swallow a person. But you don't have to. Because the fish is only talked about like three times in the book of Jonah. So if you don't want to talk about the fish, fine. But we're going to talk about the main character who is God. And God's sub-character, Jonah. That's who we're talking about. And so Jonah was, then he went, he repented, he said, God, I'm so sorry. And then God had that fish, spit him out on dry land, and he starts heading to Nineveh. And he gets to Nineveh. That's the backstory. That's how we get to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to, the, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days walk. And then Jonah began to go through the city, a day's walk. And he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
I love verse 1. If you have a Bible and you have a pen or you have the YouVersion Bible app and you can take a note, I want you to underline verse 1. And I want you to say, my God is a God of second chances and third chances and infinite chances. My friend texts me and just say, my God is a God of chances. Because Jonah, it says there in verse 3, or verse 1, chapter 3, it says, And the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here you go, Jonah. You didn't do it right the first time. I'm giving you another chance. And he sends him to, to Nineveh, this great city, and, 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 and this place that Jonah so didn't want to go. But God says, I get that you didn't want to go, but I'm giving you a second chance now. Go and do it. You may think God's done with you. You may think, oh, God can't use me. You may think, what could I even be used for? God is not done with you until he's done with you. And that's when you're dead. That's when he's done. He's not done until you're dead. So don't give up. Don't quit. Be looking. God is doing something. And it says, I love that it says in verse 2, it says, so Jonah arose. It says, first God says, I want you to go. And it says, so arise. God says, arise and go to Nineveh. And then it says in verse 3, so Jonah arose. We see this language in these next few verses of Jonah getting up and moving. If you remember chapters 1 and 2, it says, God told Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. And Jonah did the opposite. It says, Jonah went down to Joppa. And then he went down to the boat. And then he went down into the boat. And then he went down into the water. And then he went down into the belly of the fish. It's this continual downward spiral. Have you, any of you ever been stuck in that downward spiral of life? We just feel like you cannot catch a break. You feel like it's just life is spinning out of control. That's where Jonah was. It was this, you, and a lot of times it's in this life of disobedience. And Jonah's in this downward, he's going down, down, down. And all of a sudden he had a turning point in his life where he said, okay, got to give up. And then we see God say to Jonah again the second time, okay, arise, go. And Jonah arose and he went. And he goes into Nineveh and the city. It says it was a great city, a three days walk. And usually in those days when they talk about three days walk, they're talking about a modern day, an hour of when the sun is up. And so you're looking at probably eight hours each day. So you, you, you know, you're looking at walking through a city that's 24 hours long. That would be like, it, takes about 20, it would take about 24 hours to walk from here to Prescott. That's how big the city of Nineveh was. A huge city. Can you imagine how many people are there? And God loves each and every one of them. And Jonah walks into the city. He gets one day. What's the message that he says? He walks into the city and says, Yep, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He doesn't add any spice to it. He doesn't add any love to it. He says the bare minimum. The bare minimum. I don't know if you guys have kids or maybe you have those people at, at your work and, and you ask them to do a job. And so you say, Hey, I need you to go and do this. You know, I want you to, you know, I can tell my kids, okay, I want you to, we go pick up your, pick up your stuff on the ground. And so what do my kids do? They go and they find their stuff. There's four things there. They find their stuff. Oh, that's mine. I'm like, hey, there's, there's three more things on the ground. Yeah, but, but this is mine. I, okay, I'm sorry. Will you go pick up every single item that is on the ground in the living room? BC Jonah, he was like, okay, God, you want me to share this one message? Okay, you have 40 days or you better, or God's going to overthrow you. That's it. He didn't have, he got 40 days in my, but my God is a God of grace and love and peace. And I know that if you repent, I know that if you ask for forgiveness, I know that if you turn from your ways, that my God will love you and he will bring you back. I know my God desires to change your lives and to give you a so much better life where you're not killing everybody every day. I know that my God has a plan for you. He could have said that. But he says, 
Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Because that's what God told him to say. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now what if when God said overthrown, God meant something totally different than what Jonah meant? See, Jonah meant overthrown me, you will be conquered, destroyed, and hopefully killed. What if God meant you will be overthrown, meaning your hateful hearts will be overthrown and it will be turned to grace? What if that's what was in God's heart? Because that's what we see at the end of chapter 3. I didn't mean to be rhyming, but you know, you can call me a rapper if you want. Nope. Just kidding. <laughs> I can't. But isn't it amazing at how much God does with the bare minimum of Jonah's life? And how many of you, if you gave God a little more, He would do so much more through you? Because I think some of us in here, we're giving God the bare minimum. The bare minimum. We go to church on Sundays. And even then, it's like once a month church on Sundays. But what if you gave God even more? What if you gave Him more than just once a month on Sundays? What if you gave God every Tuesday too? What if you're like, okay, God, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start living for you on Tuesdays. Not Monday, because Monday, i gotta, I got to recoup from whatever happened Monday. I'm watching football is a long Monday. So Tuesday, God. And then Wednesday, I'm busy with work. But God, I'm going to give you Sunday and Tuesday. What, what, if, what if you just gave God a little more? And then a little more. You see, Jonah gave God the bare minimum, and God changed an entire city. Jonah gave God, the, just did the simple message. Hey, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overturned. Can you imagine what God would have done in that city if Jonah would have gone all out with the grace of God? It says in verse 5, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And look at this, now we see this upward trend. And when the word reached them, and it went up to the king of Nineveh, he arose, this king arose, and it says, and he took off, he laid aside all of his, his, his garments, and he covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, and he sat down. This was a sign in, in the land in those days when, when you were repentant, when you were wanting to turn, you realized there were bad things in your life, you would put on sackcloth, that's like dirty rags, and you would sit on ashes, this idea of, I want to change my life, and so that's what this king did. And the king proclaimed in verse 7, he proclaimed and said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, flock, taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked ways and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Jonah makes it one day into town. He makes it a third of the way into Nineveh and the entire city changes. The power of God. You see, some of you, you don't realize that God has a plan to use you and God's been doing all this groundwork. He's been preparing a backstory for lives. God's been doing all these things. You see, God has been doing a backstory for the people of Nineveh. God has been preparing the ground for Jonah. So that all Jonah had to do was walk in and preach Jesus. That's all, or preach, preach what God's going to do. That's all Jonah had to do. God was doing all the work. He done all the groundwork. He's preparing the hearts. What historians believe up to this point is that in Nineveh during this time, Assyria had been experiencing a series of famines, plagues, revolts, and eclipses. Their hearts were primed. 
They realize something big is happening right now. What is God doing? Some God, and they believed in multiple, some God is mad at us and we've got to change. We've got to turn from the way we're doing and what we're living. And, and there's something going on. So all of a sudden when some prophet from another land comes in and says, you better change, their hearts are all ready to receive it. Their hearts are ready to hear it. Because God had been doing, building this backstory for them. And I wonder how many people in your lives, people in your dorm rooms, people in your workplaces, your neighbors, I wonder how many of them God has been working on and He's been preparing. He's been doing this backstory. And all you have to do is tell them, and then they say, hey, what did you do this weekend? All you have to do is say, I went to church. And they're like, you go to church? Yeah. It could be as simple as that. Or it could be, you go in, hey, how was your weekend? Like, this, this happened. A friend of mine said, well, I found out my wife had been cheating on me. And I got to share with him the love of Jesus. A backstory God's been working on. God's been plowing people's hearts. And I wonder if God just says, will you just take a step? And will you just go? And Jonah finally went. And what happens? An entire city turns. Imagine. If God wants to use you and use this church to turn the city of Phoenix to Him, can you imagine that? I don't think that's beyond our God. That's not beyond it. That's His heart. His heart is that all may be saved, but He needs you. He needs you. He needs me. Last service, I think three people gave their lives to the Lord last service. Yeah. This last weekend, I think we had like six people give the lives of the Lord last weekend. And the weekend before, we had something like six to give the weekend before. At that retreat, we had I think two or three kids give the lives of the Lord. You see, the harvest is ready. But what did Jesus say? The workmen are few. Workmen and women. Are you ready to be used? And so when Jonah comes in with this message, they... they, they they, they are all of a sudden, they're ready to listen. They're ready to hear. and They're ready to turn from their evil. And they, they probably are coming to this point where they're like, man, we're really bad. We're really, really bad people. We're killing people. We're killing our own people now. We're so evil in our hearts. Like there's something seriously wrong with us. And I'll bet there's this conviction happening going, okay, wait a minute. What are we doing? And their hearts started to turn. You see, God had been doing all this work and Jonah had no idea. You never know what God is doing. God is working behind the scenes. And so Jonah comes into the city and there's this huge move of God. And Jonah only does the bare minimum. And I, I wonder how many people, when they came to him, they said, so, okay, who are you again? I said, well, I'm Jonah. I know, but where did you come from? Israel. Okay? And so tell me your story. Well, so God told me to come to you guys. And tell you that if you don't change, that he's, he's going he's gonna to kill you. Okay. But that, how, when was that? Well, that was like two weeks ago. Okay. Why, why did it take you so long? It doesn't take that long to get here. Because I really don't like you guys. I really was hoping God would just kill you and I didn't have to come. You ever meet those blunt friends and just tell you how it is? I wonder if Jonah was that blunt friend. He goes, I didn't come because I was really hoping God would just kill you. Like, that would be so much better. Because I don't like, you guys are mean. You're evil people. They're like, yeah, we are. You ever have those friends that are willing to admit, yeah, I'm, I'm dumb, I'm dumb. And so, okay, so you ran away from God. What did you do? Well, then I got on this boat. Okay, and then there was this huge storm. Like, you were in that storm? 
We heard about that storm because this storm was abnormally huge. So I wonder if, if the storm had, had created this buzz, like something huge happened. And so you were in that storm. Yeah, the storm was sort of my fault. And the guy's like, I lost a brother in that storm. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't know. And I'm just, I'm trying to think because there's so much more to a story, you know. And I love to tell a story. So I wonder if he's like, I'm sorry, but yeah, it was my fault. So then what happened next? Well, then I told the guys that if you want the storm to stop, you have to throw me in the water. Okay, so what they do? Well, they threw me in the water. Okay, then what? I got swallowed by a fish. They go, you got swallowed by a fish? Yeah, I did. So that's why you smell so bad? Yeah, that, well, that and walking two weeks to get to you, that's why I smell so bad. They're like, man, you stink. I'm sorry. He goes, and then what happened? Well, then God gave me a second chance. So your God forgave you? Uh-huh. Okay. And then what? Well, then I'm here today, and I'm telling you that yet you have 40 days, and God's going to overthrow you. What else? I don't know. That's all I care to tell you. And all of a sudden, there's this buzz in the city. You know how things go. You, you post something on social media. It's like everybody's talking about it. All of a sudden, there's this buzz in the city, and everybody's telling their neighbors and telling their neighbors because they don't want to die. And revival happens in this city. You see, grace is an equalizer. It affects the highest and the lowest of people. Grace humbles all. You see, in their religious system, it was all about this caste system of, of better, who's better and who's worse. That's this idea, this religious system. But in God's grace-free system, it is about a sinner coming to forgive. But why would they think that such a great loving God would be willing to forgive them? Have you ever thought that? Why would they think that? You want to know what I think? Because I think they knew God's backstory. Because they had heard the story Jonah told. They had heard that, okay, if God can forgive Jonah, could he forgive us? They had heard the story of the people of Israel because everybody knew the people of Israel. Everybody knew that they'd be good one day and bad another day. They all knew that. And so I wonder if they're like, okay, if God can forgive his people, and if God can forgive Jonah, I wonder if he could forgive us. Because they knew God's backstory was a God of love and grace and forgiveness. So they said, okay, God, if you could do that. And then that's what the king said. Maybe. He will forgive us. Maybe. And then we see, verse 10, when God saw their deeds, that they turned, meaning that they repented, that they stopped going in the direction they shouldn't be going. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared. And he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Four times we see in the last three verses this idea of repent or turning from your ways. This is one of the key points of this section right here. That God desires to see a turning heart. And we see this forgiving God. Even though it's such a terrible city, we see this loving, forgiving God. And we can think, okay, this is a great story, but why is it in the Bible? A guy sold by a fish... Tells a nation Nineveh that we don't even care. We don't even call it Nineveh today. We call it Iraq and Baghdad and those places. We don't even call it that. Like why? Because God was His plan was never just to have a four chapter story about Jonah. It was to have a future story about Jesus. You see, God's story was not done with chapter four. Jesus continues to tell the story in Luke chapter 
11, verse 30, it says that Jesus says, For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. Matthew 12, verses 39 through 41. But Jesus answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation craves for signs, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now Jesus only speaks to a few people in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Jonah is one of them. Jonah had four chapters. Because God's plan was not just to use that story for once, but it was to use it for the future. And it says in verse 40, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jonah was assigned to his generation, both to Nineveh and to Israel, of God's great love and grace. Jesus was greater, though. Nineveh had a moment of repentance, but not a life lived in forgiveness. Jonah was an unwilling prophet with a limited message, but Jesus was a willing Savior with a life-giving message. You see, Jonah's message was bad news and judgment of the judgment of God against sin and sinners. Jesus' life was the good news of God's power to save people. You see, there was a message of Jonah, but there was a, a better message of Jesus. God's plan was never just to be in the backstory. He wanted to be in the future and every part of every story. Jonah was just a picture of the greater things God was going to do through Jesus. Jonah was a picture of somebody going down to save those guys on the boat. That's all Jesus did with Jonah. That's what God would do with Jonah. It was to save those guys. It was a small picture of a greater life that Jesus was going to live. Where Jesus was going to die three days in the heart of the earth. And he was going to rise and save all mankind. Jesus says, Jonah was good, but I'm better. Jonah told you about God, but I am God. That's the story of Jonah. It wasn't for a moment of four chapters. It was for a lifetime of change. And that's what we see here. We see what God was doing. You see, God has a plan. And His plan was not just that Jonah would have a life and he'd live and go tell Jonah and the story would be done. But God had a plan that that story would be told over and over and over again that one day he would tell his son. You see, God is always working. He's working in your story. He's been doing things all along, building a backstory in your life. And there are some things that happen in your life that you look at going, why did this happen? I don't know. But how many of you have ever been able to use the things, the bad things in your life to help encourage somebody else that there's a God who loves them? Have you ever been able to use those things? You know, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. You know, God has a plan for your life and He's using your life and He's using the good and the bad things to build your story, to continue to use your story that others might come to know Him. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time to show us His grace through Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says. And He has invited you into partnership partnership with Him. You are invited into a partnership with Him, Jesus our Lord, that you might go into our cities, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, that you might go and tell others that there's a God out there that loves them. 
You don't come with a limited message of what Jonah has. You have a message of grace and love and forgiveness. And you get to take that everywhere you go. God is inviting you in. So what will you do? What will you do? You know, maybe some of you in here, it's just a matter of you taking a step of faith and actually telling somebody or just inviting somebody to church. It could be that simple. They say, how was your weekend? You say, good. What'd you do? I went to church. Oh, where do you go to church? Hey, let me invite you. So simple. You meet somebody. Hey, so you meet somebody. Hey, so how are you? I'm good. And they say, I'm new to town. Oh, you're new to town. Do you go to church? No. Let me invite you to mine. You see, anytime somebody says there's something new or something's not going well, there's always an opportunity to say, hey, let me, <coughs> let me tell you about Jesus because he's always going well. What's your step of faith this week? Maybe your step of faith is you realize today that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that he cares for you, and he wants to be part of your backstory and your future story and your today. And you're looking back going, okay, God, I see how you've been working and how you got me here. God, I want you to be part of my tomorrow. Because Jesus died on the cross for you and he didn't stay dead, he rose again that you might have salvation. That you might have a changed life. That you might have a new today and a way better tomorrow. I don't know where you're at on your, your Christ journey, your, your life journey. But I ask that you would invite Jesus into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I know there are people in this room right now, Lord, that they have not been walking with you. They've, some have been fighting you, running away from you, want nothing to do with you. But today they're saying, okay, God, I see. Others of us, Lord, we are, we've just do, been doing the bare minimum and we, we realize we need to step it up because there's a world out there that needs to know you. May we step it up. If you are that person where you've been running and fighting God and you've not given your life over, but you realize you need to let him in, I ask that you pray with me this morning. Just say, dear God, I give up. I ask that you forgive me. Help me to live for you. Forgive me of the life I've been living. Forgive me from running from you. Lord, I believe in your son. I believe that you are the God of second and third and fourth and infinite chances. Forgive me. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.